You're listening to Women Making Waves on Cambridge 105 Radio. Most of us enjoy using social media, but for businesses it can be a bit of a nightmare. How do you set the right tone? What do you say? Even if you aren't involved in doing social media for a business, we think you'll find our chat with Lenka Kopova really interesting. If you run your own business, you'll be aware that social media can go a long way in making or breaking your reputation. Our guest today, Lenka Kopova, helps badass entrepreneurs, in her words, to achieve their goals by using social media in the right way. She's a social media consultant and set up Cambridge Social Media in order to help businesses get their heads round the, the dark art of social media. Hi, Alenka. Many thanks for joining us today in Women Making Waves. Hello, and thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You're, uh, you're from the Czech Republic, I believe. Yes, I am. I came actually to the UK as an exchange student just for three, four months. But I've never actually left. I decided to stay, get a little bit more of an experience. And then when I randomly landed in Cambridge, I started thinking, well, it's great to work for an agency, but how can I help more people? Would it be possible if I actually try to do it on my own, my own way, helping more people? So that's where I decided to set up my own business, set up my own freelance agency and try to do what I've done for others via an agency, do it by myself. When you went to university, you studied journalism and media studies, I think. And you did an interesting thesis on the topic photographs in the newspapers as a means of manipulation. That's really interesting. Tell us a little bit about that. Wow, you did amazing research on me. Oh, yes. yes, there's no stone left unturned, Lenka. <laughs> I love that. Unusual questions. Looking forward to that. Yeah, so def- definitely. I studied journalism and in our classes, in our module, you had an option to specialize on written, on online, on print, on radio, on TV and stuff like that. And I always was drawn towards like photography. But I wasn't a particularly good photographer. But I was always fascinated by how we see kind of editing photos. Where do we draw the line of seeing edited photos of manipulation? And I think it's even more kind of relevant these days with social media filters and all the editing software that we have available to, Mm -hmm. especially talking about reporting journalism, where we're trying to talk facts, how just the simple framing of a photo, simple changing colors from colorful to black and white, could really change the meaning and kind of message that the photography is sending. Obviously, then throughout the history, there has been lots of examples of how doctoring, how manipulating with photos can really change the perception. But for me, it was just a simple fascination, even with the basics of how the photo composition, where you're taking the photo, what do you decide to include and what you decide to place outside of the frame can really change how you represent certain events. Do you think photos, do you think that's more important than words sometimes? I think it really much depends on the platform. Some platforms are more focused on the words, like if you're talking LinkedIn or Twitter, then then the copy often is more important. But if you're talking about platforms like Instagram or Pinterest, then definitely the visual matters a lot. 
even on Instagram, you can add a copy and lots of people will use it as a micro microblogging. But the visual, having a visual that stands out, that really is attractive, that really draws people's attention. That's the first step. It's the first thing for people to actually be able then to get to the copy. So I find visuals quite important, especially understanding uh, branding, understanding how to make sure that you putting across kind of consistent imagery that people can really remember the look and feel of certain images to really be able to build connection with your brand, with your business and easily spot in their feed an image that's coming from your account and engage with it on a regular basis. I think that's really interesting. And I think you're absolutely right. It's often the photograph that attracts you to the article and maybe to articles that you wouldn't have read otherwise if there's an interesting image. You spent three years working as a journalist and photographer and then you made a move into marketing. Was that accidental or was it a deliberate move to go into the marketing world? That was a plan. It was always a plan. When I started getting some internships and work, around my degree, I always kind of gravitated towards the marketing side of it. No matter where I came in, what role was it, I always ended up being interested in marketing. And because my degree was combination of journalism, where I learned how to write and how to construct sentences and how to construct stories, but also I had the economic, financial, marketing, management background for my economics module. That's where I decided that actually marketing sounds like a good fun. I can use the skills from journalism, but compared to journalism, where I started to feel very restricted by what I can write, how I can write it. In marketing, you get lots of freedom. You get lots of opportunities to play around with your copy, play around with the messaging and see what converts, what really matters. Lenka, you, you mentioned the word opportunity. Did you find doing your degree that you opened up to a lot of opportunity by doing your degree? Where did the opportunity come from besides doing your degree? Did, it, did you make it happen or did you get lots of opportunity around you when you were studying? So I think it's both. It is looking for opportunity. So for me, it wasn't particularly the degree that I studied. It was what I've done around. And around my degree, I got involved with a student magazine fairly early on. We refreshed an older magazine that was kind of dying and we brought it back. And as one of the only few people on the team who actually had an economics background, I had to figure out our accounting. I had to figure out our bookkeeping, all the finance and legal stuff around it. And from there, I started seeing more opportunities. I started seeing that Facebook was just at the time becoming a thing. So I got our school magazine over there. Then I got an internship and in this company, it was a small company, like, well, maybe we can collaborate with this company and our school magazine. There seems to be mutually beneficial opportunities. So everywhere I went, I was just looking for different work experiences, for different internships, for different ways, but always looking at who am I connected to and how can I link them together? How can I benefit from this and this and this and make it beneficial for everyone? But Linka, that sounds sounds like nature over nurture. Do you find that you're naturally a networker? Because it sounds like that's quite an innate thing for you that you just naturally got on with it. Or do you think that's nurture for you? You've learned that along the way. Were you always like that? 
No, I definitely wasn't always like that. I think it's somewhere along the way. There definitely is something in me, but I was a really, really big introvert. I wasn't a people person. I had big, wow. big troubles connecting to people, making friends, speaking in public, being visible in class. And it was especially this particular opportunity in the school magazine where I got to meet some great people who started pushing me out of my comfort zone started nudging me to do something that my initial reaction was like never ever am I going to do that <laughs> to them just slightly holding my hand and just pushing me like just just give it a try just see and just had to embrace it and especially when I started my own business without networking without meeting other people I wouldn't be able to survive there's no other way to start a business and grow a business without going out there meeting people but I still wasn't a natural networker at the beginning. I always came to those events very early on, sat down somewhere in a corner, quietly observed everyone else. I did my quick 30 second introduction and then I just didn't join much of the conversation many times. But every now and then someone had a question. Oh, so you do social media, could you help us? And then I was like, yes, of course, I can help you. We started having one-on-one -on -one conversations. And from there, over time, I really learned how to enjoy networking, how to love networking, how to use it to build new connections, build my business, build my friendships. So the move into social media, what made you actually move away from marketing and actually specialize particularly in social media? It was a fairly organic way. I really got interested in, I started with Facebook and then I went to a couple of conferences and they were talking about this all thing of LinkedIn and I was okay looking for a career. So that sounds like a place to be. And they mentioned this thing called Twitter and it was a game changer for me. It was a couple of years back when Twitter was just becoming so popular. There were all the Twitter chats and out of nowhere, I could talk with people from all around the world. I could very quickly, even though I was nobody at the time, build relationships with big experts and speakers and marketers and entrepreneurs, and they knew who I am. And it was just amazing opportunity of really have the freedom of create content, use something from the internet, interpret it, learn it myself. And even straight away, I could be seen as someone who knows something just by sharing other people's content. And it really attracted me the speed of the opportunity and the size and the unlimited opportunities of what is possible to get done with social media. It is social media marketing. It's still part of the broader digital marketing. It can't stand alone. You always have to keep email marketing, web marketing, uh, any kind of paid advertising, video, all of that needs to still be included. But for me, I found the option of creating content and having conversations with people around this content, the two-way feedback. It's not just like I'm putting something into the newspaper and people might or might not read it. I'm putting something out there and immediately people are telling me that they read it, that they agree with it, that they disagree with it, what they took away from it. And I can start connecting with people around a piece of content. But during this COVID-19 and pandemic year, we've all gone through this, the whole world's gone through this. 
things have changed. Can you sort of pinpoint things that you that's really stood out for you as a founder of a business and actually your work? Do you find things have changed quite dramatically this year from a social media point of view? It definitely has changed a lot. Social media always has been the area that has changed the most and the fastest all the time. I always said that I go on holidays for a week, I come back and I can start doing all the work again because a platform has changed something and all the strategies that I've built for clients are no longer working. And this year it's been a total roller coaster where social media very instantly became one of the most important places for businesses to be because we could no longer see each other in person. We could no longer sell from our physical shops or connect closely on networking events. We could only interact with each other virtually. And not everyone has the time and resources to build a website, build a big uh, CMS system, have a mobile database, have an email database. But social media is very quick and flexible in this way. And all the platforms have worked very hard on bringing more tools and functionalities to really support businesses. There are lots of businesses who've been resistant in joining social media, finally kind of had to, if they wanted to stay in business, they just had to, in a way, suck it and just do it. And also the world of social media itself has changed a lot with what platforms are offering, where the people are hanging out, what functionalities you have. What about people that just don't know what to say on social media? I mean, they could have the best business idea in the world, but communication is maybe just not their thing. Do you think it's wise to employ someone else to be your voice or do you think there's dangers in that? So I would definitely say that if they really don't know where to start and what to say, then definitely having someone to help out and working with someone who knows how social media works, how to put a message together, how to really use social media the right way for their business is helpful. It doesn't necessarily mean to employ someone to do social media management for them. It doesn't mean that they need to hire someone who will represent their brand and who will act on their behalf. They can simply hire someone who will help them with a strategy, who will help them build plan for them who will ask them certain questions to prompt the answers to help them see the opportunities. It could be someone like a coach or a mentor who will have regular conversations with them and who will oversee that they're doing the right thing, they're going into the right direction and empowering them to do it themselves. Or it could be that it might be much more better for the particular person, for the particular company to actually hire someone to really do everything on their behalf. But no matter which way they decided to go, there's no way that the business itself can detach themselves from social media. Social media is such a very personal, it needs to be authentic and truthful and real time and relevant content that it's not possible for me as a consultant, as a manager, to come into the company and completely take over and the company doesn't need to do anything. There always needs to be involvement. Can I ask you, Lenka, then on that note, uh, what instantly came out of that is that, I mean, I, I get the impression that 
companies are failing to manage their social interactions because they feel a lot of pressure to be on all platforms all the time. So I mean, that's one question about the pressure from companies to have to be on all platforms. And maybe that's where you come into it. And the other question I wanted to ask you is your time in the social media consultancy business. When do you switch off? So when it comes to businesses and where they should be, definitely I would recommend not to be everywhere. I will always recommend to be strategic, to understand who are the people you're targeting, who are your ideal customers, understand their persona, understand their behavior. And based on those information, pick one or two networks that are places where the majority, the biggest number is most likely that your target audience will be hanging out and then really focus all the energy into one or two channels to really understand all the functionalities, all the features, how the algorithm works, how all the options are there, because all the platforms are very much supporting accounts that use as many features as possible, mm. especially platforms like Instagram. If you only post into your feed, you will get only thus far. But if you post to your feed and you have your beautiful grid and posts there carefully designed and planned, if you do regular Instagram stories, if you do IGTV, if you now jump on reels and guides, if you have a shop set up, if you do Instagram live, that out of nowhere, there are so many different algorithms and places where people can discover you. And each and every one of them is supporting the other. But obviously, it is a lot to handle. Mm -hmm. And every platform has these little knocks and hidden points and hidden things that you could be doing. And it's pretty much impossible. Even for me, it's so impossible to try to stay on top of all of them. So especially for small businesses, for people starting out with social media, people not knowing where to go, pick one platform. It can be the one that feels the most natural to you. I also have people who are choosing platforms based on their preferences, if they're more likely to engage in a short form tweet, in longer form Facebook lives, in more professional conversations on LinkedIn. Still, you can choose where it feels more natural for you to be because you still need to invest a fair amount of time to spend in these platforms to really not only put content out there, but be present in the platform, comment on other people's posts, share other people's posts, watch your comments, comment back, DM per people, engage with other people. So there is lots of time that you need to be in the platform to really get the benefit from it. And I think it's important to choose something that will be enjoyable for us. To the second question about where, how I spend my time and if I have any time off, There are moments where I'm thinking, I wish I didn't work in social media and I can just throw (laughs) away my phone and have something like if I could spend my life just hiking, uh, if there is a career where I could just hike the mountains and uh, that would be a job, I would love that. But yeah, for me, it is about understanding uh, how social media works and how it affects my life and building habits, making sure that My phone is pretty much always on silent, so no notifications will ever bother me. So I only check notifications where I've decided I will check them. I'm making sure that 
I have screen free and social media free evenings and weekends and when I go on holidays. Yes, I will take some photos and put them on Instagram or Facebook so my friends and family know that I'm okay. But then I will try to switch off and try to unplug. Because having the time away is just so important. That sounds very healthy, actually, Linka. Yeah. That sounds, does sound very good. And pleasing as well to hear. <laughs> and, it, of course, it can be a bit of a minefield, social media. And, and it's easy to make catastrophic mistakes when, when using things like Twitter. And I think we, we know of some very very well-known people who should just be removed from it entirely, I think, actually, because they just download onto it. But for, for, the, for the rest of us, have you any tips for avoiding these pitfalls of, of making catastrophic mistakes? Is it just a, a matter of checking things before you press that send button? Definitely. One of the tips would be never do anything in a haste, never do anything in a, like, yes, do it in a moment. But before you press send, just take a deep breath. <laughs> Close your eyes, read it again, and then send it. If there is someone in your team, if there's someone else, make sure that they do double check, they do proofread it. Especially if it's something that potentially could be seen as controversial, then definitely make sure that you double check the meaning, you double check the grammar, you double check the intention. And then you make sure that if you are putting something out there that you are happy and you can stand behind it, And that you're aware that sometimes there might be certain backlash, there might be feedback, and that's okay. That's how social media should work. It's a freedom of speech. We can all say whatever, but be aware of that your actions may have certain consequences and be ready to deal with them and to avoid having to deal with them. Yes, take a moment to actually read two, three times what you're about to say. You started Cambridge Social Media which I think is is a kind of community group, isn't it? Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, so Cambridge Social Media started as a way of making more comfortable networking and speaking in public. When I started my business, there were a lot more people that wanted my help, but obviously it's just me and my business and my time is limited, but I wanted to help everyone. And ultimately one day I wanted to become a speaker, but I wasn't really good in presenting. So I decided that to help them, to help my new connections and my new business friends and to help myself, I will set up a Cambridge social media meetup to set up a free event where people can come once a month, network a little bit. They can ask questions about social media. We can share insights. We can learn together and we can all help each other this way. And Over the past couple of years, it grew from a small networking group where we had 15, 20 people coming to bigger monthly meetups where we have 40, 60 people coming with then speakers coming from all over the place to actually deliver talks. And from there, we took it obviously online. So we have a Facebook community where we run online sessions and people can again network and learn and ask questions. And on top of it, I decided how hard could it be to run a social media conference in Cambridge, you know, for just under 200 people all day or maybe two days as a add-on. And you run these things fairly, fairly consistently. It's 
really, really interesting. And I think you've actually given us a great insight today and some really good tips, actually, <laughs> on, mm. on how to do social media. Absolutely. And actually, I felt a lot better talking to you about it than I did before, because your point about not getting onto all the platforms, pick ones that you feel comfortable with and that you can enjoy. It's a bit like, do you enjoy your job? If you enjoy your job, then you're going to get further anyway. Exactly. Especially if we're talking again, my audience are mainly small businesses, entrepreneurs, people who are just a couple in their team or they're running their own show by themselves. And social media marketing is just one small part of their business. For me, it is my whole business, but for them, it's just one little thing on top of their accounting, on top of their admin on top of everything else that they need to do to run a business that's not the thing that they actually want to be doing so you need to find a way of actually be able to enjoy it because yes you need to be marketing to be able to have a business yes you need to be consistently present on social media to have content and to have conversations with people but you don't need to be everywhere you don't need to try to understand all the platforms you just need to pick one place and try to have as much fun with it as possible. Because at the end of the day, I might give you some tips and strategies and way of doing things, but social media is a lot about experimenting, doing something and seeing how it works and learning from that and definitely having fun. Well, I think we've, we've learned a lot from you today, Lenka. Thank you very much for talking to us, Lenka Kopova. Well, what a woman, Lenka Kopovash. She's got an amazing amount of motivation and loves social media. She really has. She's an inspiration lender. Yes, she really is. I, I thought she was very, very interesting. And I learned quite a lot, actually. I don't know about you. I learned mm. quite a lot from listening to her. We really grapple, don't we, with social media and which platform to use or keeping abreast of it when you're doing it on your own. But she, one of the most interesting points for me was concentrate on a social media platform that you enjoy using and mm -hmm. stick with that one first of all. I thought that was great. That was a, such a great piece of advice. And I, I love the fact that she fessed up to, to <laughs> not really liking networking and things like that, not being yeah. particularly good at it at first. And it just shows you that if you are a little bit quiet and you are a little bit shy and you think you're not very good at that kind of thing, all you need to do is practice and just push yourself, you know, push the boundaries a little bit and make yourself a little bit uncomfortable. And soon you'll be doing it without even thinking about it. That was another message that came through for me. You're listening to Women Making Waves on Cambridge 105 Radio.